0: it's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the Word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Today, um, I want to begin from a story many of us know. Jesus is on his way to Jordan to the wonderful man of God called John to be baptized by him in Matthew chapter 3. And so he comes to John the Baptist and he asks him to be baptized by him. And John says, no. If there is a need, then it's you to baptize me, not me to baptize you. Jesus tells John, suffer it to be so now. Thus, it becometh of us to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness, it becometh of us. Then he suffered him. And then Jesus, verse 16, when he was baptized, he went up straight out of the water and the heavens were opened unto him. And He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning or lighting upon him and a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately after that baptism, Matthew chapter four, he is led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted very important aspect to understand the pattern of the spirit here. There's a very beautiful pattern that I want to show us here. And I want to talk to us this evening as people who understand that God has both gifted you and assigned you for a purpose on the earth, for the fulfillment of the great commission which is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of who you are and the gift or calling that is operating on your life. Some of us will be on the pulpit, will teach, and the Bible says, of whom is much judgment. That is why the Bible tells us that not many of you should desire to be teachers. It's not, It shouldn't be a desire. It's not something that a man should rush into. Because it comes with greater condemnation. Remember, every word that we speak, we're judged by. So I know people who make haste because they admire certain officers. But many people don't understand the consequences and the responsibilities, the weight, the burden, the demand that comes with these officers. And let me tell you something when a man says that I'm going to teach, I'm going to demystify the mystery called Christ, that man is of a great matter. He is engaged in a very great matter. And this is something we should enter with so much precaution, so much accountability, and seriousness on our part, especially For those of us who are gifted to see in the generic realms eh, of divine thought. I always say, "Is that which is generic in the realm of divine thought. And it comes in the provisions of the office that you have been given. For example, if somebody is a natural singer, not worshiper. Let me just use the word singer. They don't need to apply themselves so much to sing, eh? So there's that which is so easy for them to do because they are naturally gifted. But whether you want it or not, there are some who understand the power of putting more effort to uh, improve the craft. And some of those people perform way better than people who don't care to follow the principles that govern singing. You understand? You could be a gifted footballer, and so in the gift you can play or access the skill generically that is available for the gifted, but that doesn't mean that you will qualify at every level of class unless you exercise yourself to improve and do better and better until you get to a certain class. That's why there's things as training. Even spiritually, we have something called spiritual exercises. You exercise yourself. Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.8, says, Bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all. Having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. So there is bodily exercise, but there is an exercising yourself to godliness. There's an exercising yourself to godliness. The Bible says, exercise yourself unto godliness. So, your spirit, man, can be exercised for acuity, for accuracy, for precision. If you don't respect or understand how powerful this requirement is in the kingdom. You will not be efficient even though you are gifted and it doesn't matter how gifted you are. You'll not function in the excellence of the spirit. Are we following what I'm saying? The human spirit can be exercised to do so much. For example, if it's exercising yourself to see to what end are you seeing? Right? there is a wisdom that requires you to be accountable of what you see because God has not only given you the grace to see, but he has also given you the wisdom to be able to judge as you see. Are you following what I'm saying? To judge as you see. The Bible says that love abounds more in knowledge and judgment that you might approve the things most excellent that you might not have offense on the day of Christ. This is not the offense of a person who, you know, slapped another, you know, answered the elder rudely. That's a smaller thing. There are offenses that come with the assignments that God has given us because he expects us to function a certain way. That's the essence of consecration. When you say that God has consecrated me for a work, there are vows that God has with you when he is about to commission you for his work. And every man should know their vows with God. They are different. When you read the greats, the generals of modern history, Christian history, or even ancient history, you'll find that some are exercised with some vows, either those which God makes with them privately, individually, or those which God makes with their parents while they're in their womb. For example, the Bible speaks of a man called Samson. And God says that not a razor shall touch his hair. That was what they call a Nazirite vow. That in the consecrations on Samson, God had to task him with a test that no razor should touch your head. This, if you think about it really, it was not important for Samson really to grow hair. As it was for him to discipline himself against the things that should remind him of the purpose and assignment for which God has given him and the testation of his heart to know how he would keep the secret of the Lord. It's like when God gives Adam and Eve this tree, really, if you think about it, what was the big deal about one fruit except the instruction, touch every tree but not this one because it is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's trying to test the man's heart in the consecration. So it is with Samson. That is why if you remember Delilah, she tells him, how do you say you love me when I do not have your heart? She said your heart. She's asking him, what's the secret of your strength? But as she's asking him, what is the secret of his strength? She's alluding to his heart. You see? So it wasn't about Samson's hair. It was about the consecration of his heart toward God the place of vow that he had with God whether he would preserve his honor and reverence with the God who called him or he would sell it away by an individual and this is exactly what the scripture says how can you say that you love me when your heart is not with me for you have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where in thy great strength lies when Samson told her the Bible says when he told her all his heart The Bible says, when he told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying, come up this once for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought her money in the hand. And the next verse says, uh, and she made him sleep upon the knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. Do you realize that Delilah received payment before she cut his hair? There was no way he would resist the cutting of his hair because she had power over him. The scriptures say she made him to sleep. That means there was a power she used. I mean, you don't just get a man to sleep to a place where they can cut off all his hair and he cannot attend to it. There must have been a certain way by which Delilah puts this man to sleep. It was a power that she only earned when she took his heart. So it wasn't about Samson's hair. It was the secret of God in his heart. It was the vow God had with him as his anointed. And every anointed one of God knows it. They just don't say it. But they have a secret with God that defines their place of power. Or some, if they do, they might not fully articulate or reveal in language Not that they don't desire people to know, but it's not about what people should know, but rather the principle in the doing of this. And this is exactly what God is teaching us. You remember John the Baptist? The Bible says he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And God said, much as it's okay for everybody, but this one shall never take strong drink. Now, with everything John could have done, if John had taken strong drink, I mean, he, he would tell Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. Okay? But this is not something John would handle because of the consecration that he has with God. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, let's go back to what I'm trying to give us here. So, Jesus, in this instance, goes to John the Baptist. He is baptized by John the Baptist. God is trying to establish this man in the course of his ministry. He's about to start his work. And God says, I have now to consecrate you. And the consecration begins with baptism. Remember, the baptism of John was for the repentance of sins, isn't it? He says, "Indeed, I baptize you with water and to repentance." But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, remember, if the baptism of John the Baptist is unto repentance, I also want you to know, Jesus never knew sin, so there was no way this baptism for him was actually for repentance. It was a fulfillment of all righteousness because there was a pattern of Elijah who then is typified in the spirit of John the Baptist because he shall come in the spirit and power of Elijah. There was a pattern God was trying to give us through that and that is why Jesus has to come to say, permit me that it be so that we might fulfill all righteousness because we are defining a pattern. It's the only reason why Jesus is baptized not because of the repentance of sins jesus never knew sin so he is not subjected in the order of how or why every man is being baptized this is important are you following but god has started the consecration all of us in a way as God has called us, like I said, whether you're going to be on the people like me, whether you're going to do sound, whether you're going to be on the camera, or you're going to play the instruments, or you're going to be in security, or you're going to be a business person, you're a political leader, wherever God has blessed you, we all have our defined consecrations. Unfortunately, many of us, when we become born again, we are not taught that there is a principle that governs how you transition into the assignment of God concerning your life. And it's not only zeroed in the fivefold it can extend beyond. There is a man right now who is in hospital as a doctor, a physician, but he is in the perfect will of God, fulfilling the assignment of God in his life. In the same time where he is working with a Christian man who is born again as well, he's also working in that hospital, but he is not assigned by God in that hospital or even to do what he is doing because it's more than just, you know, uh, the competences that you earn because you went to school and you passed your exams. It's more than that. It's hearing the voice of God that positions you and places you where you are supposed to be when you are supposed to be there. Every man at the sound of my voice will go or has to go through that consecration. Whether you know it now or you don't, whether you are 60 or 70 or 80 or 40 or 25 and you don't even know what I'm talking about, eventually there is an order that demands you to be consecrated, to be set apart, to be sanctified for the work of ministry. That's why the fivefold is given for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry to the edification of the body. He gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave pastors, he gave teachers, he gave uh, evangelists is for the perfecting of the saints. Every one of us is supposed to be perfected by the fivefold for the work of ministry because every one of you eventually must see yourself in some assignment divine for the edification of the body of Christ, till we all come, he says, to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son, that we might not be babes who are tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slay of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in way to deceive. So when you look at the deceived, when you look at those who are derailed by the cunningly crafty, when you see those who are always moving church to church by every wind of doctrine, when you see those who are tossed to and fro, now the word they are tossed to and fro is translated as confusion. When you see those who are confused about the things of the Spirit, usually such people are people who are not assigned in the kingdom. They don't even understand the work of the Spirit. They're not yet perfected to the place of being relevant to the kingdom. They might be, like Paul says, busybodies. Some people busy busybodies. They're moving. They're doing a lot. But then heaven has not assigned them. They have no part in the gospel. Book of Revelation speaks of the part. He says, if any man shall take away or add on this word, his part shall be rubbed away from the book of life. Every one of us has a part in the kingdom of God. And I pray by God, that you don't leave this earth without fulfilling the assignment of God in on your life. Shout amen. These are important. And I felt in my heart to share this. Because we are living in a time where the laborers are few than they have ever been before. Well, yes, it was true in the time of Christ while he walked this earth. But it is equally, and I believe, more true or truer that the laborers today are few and the harvest is plentious because we have been taken by this consumerism. The spirit that comes only to take from God but never seeking to give. Even your little money, you struggle even to give concerning the kingdom of God to say, okay, Father, I might not be able to do what these guys are doing, but I have some hours I have committed to work And if I can translate these hours to some money, then I should give big because my labor in those hours equals to my seed toward in my giving to make sure that I allow those who can do what I cannot do, continue to do the work of God. Some of you don't even see it. If you come to churches like Fenero, well, we don't know how to pressure you, push you, you know, because the relationship I have with God I don't know how to sit people down and tell them, you know, you see, you have to give. We have many of these. We have many problems. We have, no, 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 no. you'll never hear that from me. If you're waiting for that, you will never find it here. Why? Because we're doing all the principles necessary as a ministry of what is required of us to do. So we don't worry. Whether your neighbor doesn't give, you will give. Or if you don't give, your neighbor will give. Eventually, God will fund his kingdom because I'm not building my kingdom. He is funding his kingdom. He will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But you must ask, where is my blood in the covenant? Where is my sweat in what God is doing? That is why we give, not only of our money is ma- money is one-off, but some of you have committed your time to come. You help set up. You help reach out. You help do whatever is required of you. The days are few. The Bible says we must walk circumspectly as wise men, redeeming the time for the days are evil, and it's true the days are evil. I don't think humanity has ever lived in a time of such wickedness like we see. It's everywhere. It's on television. It's on radio. It's like people are running mad. Are you noticing that people, it's like the world is running mad. Do you know that? I watched in horror as I saw (laughs) some leaders in a certain state in the USA discussing You know, the castration, mutilation of children. Whoever knew would get to a point in life where an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old is allowed to choose whether they should keep their private parts or not. You can't trust that brain to drive But you can trust it to make a decision to cut off its private parts. Whoever thought would ever get to such a day? If some of you heard that the next election in the United States, the biggest agenda going to be discussed is abortion. That's the biggest. Whoever thought that one day a nation would get to a point where their biggest agenda to discuss that would define where these states would swing would be abortion. The killing, innocent life. And we're speaking all of this in love. But they can't even know anymore what love is. Are you following what I'm saying? So the world has run wild. When you watch television, when you watch what's on the internet, on Netflix, on YouTube, it's just some madness that has hit the world. You're no longer even sure of the person you're seated next to. they can turn and do something to you. I have never seen, I don't know whether there has been, but I feel more than ever before in human history, the end is about to come. Jesus is about to return. I promise you, the things we are seeing, every sign is taking us there. It's as though some people, literally God has given them over. You know when the Bible says he gave them over. He tried, tried, tried and said, no, let me just give you over into your madness. It's like they have no control over certain things anymore. And many of us should wake up and understand the seriousness of the hour and find something to do before Christ returns. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah now Jesus is going to enter his primal consecration he begins with baptism and this is where I never wanted you to miss immediately after the baptism the spirit of the Lord descends from heaven like a dove lighting upon him and says this is my son in whom I am well pleased when he receives the endorsement of heaven immediately he's taken to the wilderness and God showed me a pattern. He said to me, I can never lead a man to the wilderness before endorsing them spiritually, before affirming them spiritually because if they lose my affirmation, they will express so much insecurities and instead of true hunger, they'll find themselves a lasting, they'll be indifferent in the course of the things that touch the kingdom. They will lose the patterns and win over empires whose glory they carry not because they don't understand principles. You know, I've realized no matter how much you occupy in life, if you carry no judgment in the spirit, if you carry no patterns to guide and direct your sail, you will win empires truly, but without glory, without a glory. The Bible speaks of men whose glory is their shame. So you win so much, but it comes with so much shame. Because much is desired of you in principle and pattern and divine judgment. But you have not exercised yourself to it. Because when you entered the wilderness, when you entered the place where God was to perfect you for his work, you entered insecure. You entered as a victim. You entered as a survivor. You entered indifferently. Without divine endorsement, it can be a very catastrophic experience for a man to be taken into the wilderness. What is a wilderness? I've already said it before. It's a place where God kills you. What does it mean to be killed by God? You die to the world and the world dies to you. Nothing in the world appeals to you. Paul says... For God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom, listen, the world is crucified unto me and I to the world. You die to the world. You die in the flesh. You're not attached to the pride of life anymore. The last of the eyes and the last of the flesh. The Bible says those do not proceed from the Father. There's somebody who thinks that if they received a certain way if they are talked to a certain way, if they are addressed a certain way, then they will function more efficiently. That's insecurity. That's why there are some men of God, if you don't put a carpet, he won't come out. Because the carpet must come out. The Jesus they serve was in sandals. in Rocky Mountains and dusty streets in Nazareth. So you get to a point where whether they put a carpet or they don't, it doesn't matter because the carpet doesn't define you. The lights don't define you. The camera doesn't define you. Nothing defines you outside who you know you are. Nothing changes who you are. The wonderful man of God I admire so greatly. Somebody brought him a gift of a million dollars, and knelt before him and said, "Man of God, we gave him a million dollars in the hand." And this guy saw the man. He says, "He calls his peer, take it out. How are you? You know, no, he's not proud. He's dead. He's dead." So I'm watching one of those Christian programs. And there's this preacher in front of camera saying, I love money. I love the smell of money. Mm, I've never seen anything as beautiful as a $100 bill. (laughs) No woman is as beautiful as a $100 bill. Yeah, I kid you not. So there's one who says, yeah, thank you, God bless you. And there's another one who says, I have never seen anything as beautiful as a $100 bill. (laughs) It's a life to the world. You know? This is not something you tell yourself, no, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. Look, I'm excited, but I won't show it. No, 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 no. no. It's not something you force yourself into. It's like deliveries. You know, some people don't understand how God delivers. When we talk about deliverance, we don't talk about, I'll not drink, I know it's calling me, but I refuse, I refuse, I cancel, I cancel, I'm free, I'm free. That's not deliverance. Deliverance is looking at the bottle and it doesn't call you anymore. The edge of it can't invite you anymore. That's deliverance. It's not the frustrations of your feeling, you know, trying to, you know, refuse what is already pulling you. That that, that means you're not free yet. So it is with the world. I'm not talking about somebody who is pretending to be dead to something they actually are alive to. You know, I had an experience years ago. It was something I went through. In fact, it was in my primal consecrations. And I just, one of those days I had an experience where God took me to a place I don't know how to explain. And I understood eventually when the scripture says, heaven and earth shall pass away. Not good, not might. He says, shall. Eventually, everything you see, gold, silver, it doesn't matter what your eyes see. There is a time from one day where everything will be folded to nothingness. And this is not something your mind can understand. This is something that your spirit can see. I just had one experience years ago that opened my eyes to what it means for heaven and earth to pass away. And I looked at what people struggle to, you know, amass in life and the things people are willing to kill for, die for, blackmail for, you know. And it was not worth it. All of this is nothingness. In fact, the man who had it all says, it's vexation of spirit. Vanity of vanities. That is not something your mind can understand. It's something your spirit should be able to experience. God has to take you there to see the nothingness of these things. The worthlessness of those things. And I remember coming from that place, and I never had any attachment from that day to anything on this living earth. Nothing. There's nothing that, like, oh my God, I have a new car. I'm so excited. No, it's it's the same thing whether it's a new car or it's a new gift. Yes, I can say, wow, this is nice. I like it. But there's no attachment to no attachment. I I have no attachment to a building. I have no attachment to a car. I have no attachment to a cloth. There's nothing in this world I cannot give away. There's nothing I'm attached to. I am free. And I realize there are many people who are not that free. They might not have demons screaming out of them. But touch her necklace. And say, it's mine, I'm taking it. You see what I'm saying? God can kill you. And kill everything you see. That yes, it doesn't mean you will not appreciate its beauty. Nor enjoy its function as a tool. I will look at the car as a tool. I will look at the house as a tool but you'll not be consumed by the luxuries that come with it because you are tagged and designed for purpose. So anything that serves divine purpose, it's the only thing that will connect to your spirit. Anything to build your prestige will die. You'll feel like you won't seek. In fact, if many people had this wisdom, some of you would not own so much. Some of you have more than you need. You have three children and you're building a 12-bedroom house and you don't even invite relatives to sleep over. You just want to have a big house. I suffered. Prestige versus purpose. You waste because you feel that you're going to build a house to repay of all your childhood suffering. You're enslaved. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past and all things are become new. Forget what you went through as a child. In your father's kingdom, You have a mansion there. You understand? So build what's enough. Have what's enough. Just have what's enough. You don't need so much. Have what's enough. You understand? Like don't stretch yourself beyond, you know, there are people who are over, you look at a person and you really see this person is overstretched because they want to please somebody else. God has not designed accessories to minister comfort to you. And they will never minister comfort to you. If you never see them as a tool, if I don't look at this suit as a tool, then I have a big problem. Are you following what I'm saying? So, God kills you. Then, God teaches you. I've already said this. He teaches you himself. You know, there are people who can sit before a wonderful teacher and receive, you know, what God is saying and understand what God is saying. But some of us have never experienced the sweet voice of the Holy Spirit. Elucidating, breaking down, demystifying, helping you find yourself In the confusions of scripture. And then he holds your hand. If you read in the Old Testament. The Bible says the angel of the Lord led me. The angel of the Lord took me. Then he starts opening this to the prophet. Shows him this door. Shows him of this entrance. Opens these realities to him. This is the person of the Holy Spirit and his primary ministry. He says, he shall teach you all things and remind you what you have forgotten. That spirit of truth, the Bible says, he shall tell you things to come. You won't even need to be a prophet to see the days to come. You will see because you're under some purpose. You're directed by God to a certain course. It's a very beautiful place. And I remember, I shared that once or twice. As was in my room, sleeping. it was in university, my second year. And Jesus comes in a vision of a dream. And then he sits next to my bed. My body is sleeping. And my spirit is awake. And then he says, Today I want to tell you about the state of the church. That was the first sermon I remember vividly being told. And then after that, he asks me, do you know a man called Simon the sorcerer? And I said, yes, I have heard about him spoken. But I didn't have so much knowledge about who Simon the sorcerer was, except that I knew that he was some witch, somewhere in the Bible. So he opens Acts 8 and reads the story and starts to explain to me where the church was, where the church is going. You know, the responsibility of the next move. Literally, it was like a scroll being opened, instructing what was going to come and, and the things that were happening in church. This is the master telling you. So I wake up in the morning and I remember that dream and I remember that it was in Acts eight. I'd never read there. So I went to the Bible. Lo, and behold, I opened and it was the exact words the master was teaching that night. So I hear a voice whisper in my spirit saying, from today I shall teach you whether you're awake or you're sleeping. Now, eventually, the next few times I could tell when, and I remember the first time I'm seated there and he starts to speak. That is why, I don't know whether some of you will appreciate this one day, but you will. I have never seen a student of the Spirit who is not a great scribe. Never. 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 Like the English say that the palace ink is greater than the most retentive memory. One of the things the Spirit will teach you is to write. When you learn the place of the scribe spiritually, you'll be amazed how much liberty, how much freedom you express to the person of the Holy Spirit when you choose to write. Some of you, you might be the kind like Apostle Emma who can't write in a sermon. But he's the kind because I know him, he's my son. He's the kind who will sit in a sermon, listen to it and go back home, redo it and write his notes. You see? So don't judge everybody you see here thinking that because this person is here and they're not writing anything, therefore they're not writing. I know some of you who write after later you go back home and then get your pen and start writing. That's okay. I know some of you who carry your notebooks here. I know some of you who type on your phones. I also know some of you who don't do any. You just watch. You just watch. Are you following what I'm saying? If you are serious, now I'm talking to those who are serious about being active participants in what heaven is doing. You see, it's somewhere in scripture. When the righteous seek to talk concerning the things of the kingdom, even when the righteous, Malachi 3.16, read it. When they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, the Lord hearkened When two people sit, for example, if I sit in fellowship with Pastor Zach or any of you and we start talking about mysteries and then you say something that demystifies his person, even though it is revealed to you by his spirit. The Bible says, when they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, the Lord hearkened and heard it. When the Lord heard them, demystify the mystery. He gave them by revelation. The Bible says a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that sought upon his name. Let me explain why these books are written. These books are not for God to go back and revise. The Lord showed me that these books are for those who might come after and one day might want to consult heavenly library for God to help them understand that in the cycle of revelation, this was, was, and in this dispensation, this is how far the sons of men could access. Remember, separate what's accessible and what is given. That's why I separated for you what is generically accessible and what is uniquely or distinctly accessible by those who exercise themselves in the things of the spirit. When Caiaphas prophesies when they're beating up Jesus, he says, don't you all know that it is given to this man to die that it's expedient for this man to die for the people that the whole nation should not perish. The Bible says, and this Caiaphas spake not of himself, but because he was the high priest that year, he accessed the oracles available for a priest. These were not oracles that he accessed because he had given himself, exercised himself for the sake of the kingdom to desire a higher knowledge than what the office could give. That is why even though he prophesied the death of Jesus Christ, scripture doesn't show us that Caiaphas followed Jesus. Because he spoke out of office, not revelation. Donkeys can speak too. They mean that they carried the understanding when it was speaking to Balaam. A donkey speaks to stop the madness of a prophet, but it has no understanding of God to speak beyond what it's able to articulate because it doesn't have the full counsel of the heart of God, but it can speak. There are things that by heavenly agency, For God to save you from the madness. For God to save you from the jugglings of incompetent people, incompetent spirits, restless people, unstable spirits. The Bible speaks of people who are unskilled and unlearned. The incompatibilities that come when a man doesn't know how to position himself. So you find yourself, you know, in confusions. God can even make this thing speak. He can even make a stone speak for your sake. It doesn't mean that it has understanding. It only means that duty or occasion demanded it for it to communicate to you. Are you learning something for it to communicate to you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they wrote, God said, For every oracle that is released in Revelation and a man is able to receive when they sit to talk on each other something is written for those who know how to read one day to read and design the continuation of the matter. Now if God can write what you to share what about what he tells you? You see You can never ascend to the maturity that is required for an effective minister if you do not learn to write. Whether you type it, whether you write after the sermon, whether you, but find a way to keep those notes to show the spirit that this is worth keeping. Because these words are life. They're life. So I learned to write. I have, notes, I have written things that are seven, eight years old and I've never preached them. They're somewhere in my notes. But every now and then, God can take me to something I stumbled on four years ago and he says, this is the time now I qualify you to teach this. And what some of you here is new, but in my spirit, it's so old. It has been a place of agitating and pressing together and churning and trying to break this thing down to understand, such that when I speak to you, I don't speak to you as a borrowed phrase. I speak to you as something that I have experienced in knowing Him. So, that's why the Bible speaks of the scribe which has been instructed unto the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says it is likened unto a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. What is this treasure? The spirit. The spirit. So out of your spirit, you can bring out both new and old. You can't be aged by what you know because you know more than your age. You connect both to ancient oils and the transitions of the spirit as God would require and avail them in every dispensation. Are you following what I'm saying? This is important. So I learned to write. I learned to sit. I remember there was a day God was telling me about finances. He was trying to help me fix my finances, but also some people here. And I'm the kind, the way God made me, if you have followed me as your man of God, there are men of God who impose on prophecy. I'm not the kind who will impose on prophecy. I could even receive a prophetic word from God and come and make it as a suggestion. Those who know me, know me. I could come and suggest something and tell you, why don't you do this? Not because I have actually had God tell me that you should do something. But I think God designs us differently. I don't know how to impose. I don't know how to impose. I don't know how to force people to do something. I'll suggest and say, why don't you think about doing this? Imagine if you did this. Some of you, or most of it, it's from a very deep place. And some of you take it lightly because of how he has designed some ministers. You miss God very easily because it can come in a joking way, in a suggestive way, but it's out of respect. The fact that I respect you. And so I want to, instead of imposing on you, I want to submit it to you for your examination because prophecy must be proved. Are you following what I'm saying? But back to this. So I learned to write. I remember one of those days I had a very interesting experience. He woke me up and started teaching me about finances. I started typing and it took me three hours to finish writing. I have not preached everything, but I touched most of those things. In some of the things I've preached about, you know, in the recent past. But it's amazing what he starts to speak when you get a pen. Or you get your phone and say, speak Holy Spirit, I am listening. Do you know they stumbled on this ground? Who has never said that? Holy Spirit, because He said He's your teacher. He says, when the Holy Spirit is come, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things, all things, all things, not a few things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. There are things that are in My Spirit. They probably were put there 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they come out so naturally because that's the place of the Holy Spirit. Every time you sit in front of a teacher, if you know this is a teacher of the Word, that's the first thing you should say, Holy Spirit, speak to me as this man teaches. Speak to me as this man teaches. I'm ready. My spirit is open. Speak. You'll be amazed where he'll take you. That is why some of you, when you sit under a good teacher, teachers especially of the Word, You'll find a man can teach or even if you're not a teacher but you're somebody who can really uh, pick things. Eh? You can decode things. You'll find that every time they're teaching there's many things coming to your head. It's like many pockets of revelation and many parts that are being revealed in your spirit. It's like a journey. You're going through one place to another. You're seeing this. Eh? The Bible says, open my eyes that I might see the wondrous things in your word." open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things. Ah, this is beautiful. Ah, this is beautiful. Now that's not for a person who comes every Thursday because they want a promotion. They're praying against their boss to die. It's been long. The man is on my case every week. By fire, by force. By fire, by force. Die! Die! Ah. Where should we go? There's a guy called Apostle Vega. You can't pray. Let's go and kill it. So die you're always in a place of dying while you're seated there in front of you there is somebody who is seeing the wondrous things of the law because they are a work being prepared God is chiseling and pruning them. He has a purpose for which he has designed them for and eventually one day they are going to stand in a place where they must stand and they know that every time they come to church they are receiving empowerment, they are getting encouragement, they are getting the tools, they are being equipped and empowered to be what they must be tomorrow. That's the Christian God is looking for. Listen, when you attend to the things of God, God attends to everything concerning you. Some of you, when you learn to put God first, you'll be shocked at how He fixes your other things. Which you think are your problem? Are you following what I'm saying? Seek ye the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added. They shall be added. He says, these shall follow. Surely goodness and mercy shall Some of you, the things you pursue were designed to follow you because they are attracted to what's upon your life. The Bible says, Stand shall come and hold on your lapel and say, let us go with you for we have heard that the Lord is with you. You can get to a point where things just come to you because you are anointed. You don't pursue them anymore. No. Things will start looking at you and you look attractive to them. (laughs) Some of you are rejected. Even when a car bypasses, it's like... (laughs) And there are people, when some cars pass, even when the driver is driving it, it stays like... (laughs) (laughs) Somebody shout hallelujah. Now listen. So I learned to hear him teach. And that was a very beautiful thing. Very beautiful. Because when you start hearing him teach, you will hear things you have never heard anywhere. That's when you'll know he's speaking. You will hear things you have never heard anywhere. Right now there's somebody hearing me but you're also hearing some things that even I have not had. I'm simply a portal opening up a certain access to you, but I don't define how far and how deep you can dig when you apply yourself to these things. That is why I don't understand how somebody can sit in the word when they're talking to another person, sending WhatsApps, you know, playing, you know, co suggesting Okay, cheap jokes, those things. You are in the word of God. Heaven is talking to you. It's open. God is literally downloading things. And your eyes are away. You are by something. You you remember, oh, my fuel. Oh, you understand. Oh, my car. You know, the other day I saw a video. This guy walks into a place where Muslims were praying. Then he starts shooting. And none moved. None moved. I said to myself, no, with Christians, you don't even need to fire a gun. You just need to get a balloon and pop it. Even a vuvuzela. Are you following what I'm saying? So you realize they have been trained... To attend and give no attention to anything else when they are with their God. But a Christian doesn't even have the simple discipline to keep quiet under a teaching. Somebody seated there. Hey, hey. Did you see Nakanjakosibaga? You are in the middle. Heaven literally, heaven literally is downloading. Somebody says, have you seen Inaka and Jaka, it Baga? <laughs> then somebody says, Baga? No, Baga, 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 B-A-G. <laughs> you don't even know how to speak English.
1: <laughs>
0: Praise the Lord. Somebody said, God help us. So, remember I said in the wilderness, he kills you, he teaches you, but also he tests you to maturity. You remember I said that? It tests you to maturity. This is important. So some things come. They're not there to kill you. And that is why I feel so sorry for people who judge the Lord's righteous. Because somebody can go through something. And it's entirely, it has nothing to do with what you think they're going through. Jesus goes to Peter and says, I saw in the vision, I saw Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But he says, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. Because at one particular point, your fellow brethren are going to fall and I will need you, Peter, to stand to restore your brethren. I have said this once, twice, thrice, that this was not something God would avert of Peter's life because it was a necessary testation for God to mature him enough to restore a man when he finds him going through the same sifting he went through a while ago. And like I always say, I feel sorry for the brethren who are seeing Peter go through that, and they're like, hmm, Peter is not serious. How can he go through this? No, it's only a matter of time. You will go through the same thing, and you will need Peter to be standing when you're going through this. So, there are things God will allow you. When Paul says, I know how to be full. That's something a man can only learn in the wilderness. He says, and I also know how to be a best. I know how to abound. For he says, the secret is, I'm instructed in all things, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I'm instructed enough to give away everything. That's what he's meaning. And have nothing. And I'll be okay having nothing. Because I know the instruction that can abound the next day and have everything I need. That is not something you learn outside the wilderness. That is something God teaches you in your wilderness experiences. And these are testations that teach you to learn. He'll put you in scenarios. You have 5,000 people. What do you have? Two fish and five loaves of bread. Ah, how do we feed them? Watch from the master. He raises the basket, gives thanks, and all of them eat. One day when you ever get to the wilderness and you're starving, know how to get food when you need it. You see, so those are instructions that only find you as a student. You learn are certain things you learn. He teaches you this is how money comes because I don't want my servant to beg. This is how you build your health. This is how you build your family. He starts to show you things. You're learning. You're learning. For some, it's longer than others. Some people are not even in the wilderness. They are actually paying the price of rebellion and they think they are in the wilderness. But there are other things, there's other parameters, there are other, you know, indices, let me use that word, that do not qualify you to say you are in the wilderness because you don't match in the other pillars. So yes, you are under testation, but you don't talk like you are taught. If you say you're in the wilderness, but you don't look like you're taught by God. You don't look like you're dead to the world. You're dealing with financial issues, but the way you're dealing with them shows that you're too alive to the world. And you say, I'm in the wilderness. Huh. You don't even do the basic principles that are required of the scripture in your giving. You rebelled for years. Now you're paying a price of your rebellion and you think you're in the wilderness. You're not just paying the price of rebellion separate those two when Paul was in Arabia he never sought the need of any man when Moses was in the wilderness he never sought the provision of any man when Abraham went in Canaan he never looked to any man but by the time he lands in Canaan few years later he has cattle he has sheep he has everything he's reached the Bible says in silver and in gold Yet he never took of any man's thing. Because he knew the principles. Hallelujah. And we see that all our fathers have gone through the wilderness. I mean majority of them. Used of God. You see that pattern. I've already told us. Abraham is taken to Canaan. Go to a place I'll show you. Leave your king, Keith, and fo- kinfolk, And go to a place I will show you. And there he says, I shall make thee a great nation. He tells Moses... Leave Egypt, then he throws him in the wilderness. Paul is thrown in Arabia. Jesus is led into the wilderness. But like I said, before he takes this man to the wilderness, the most important thing at that particular point, he has to help him firstly receive the affirmation of heaven. He has to affirm him, he has to endorse him, He has to minister a certain place of comfort that when that man enters the wilderness, if there are things he should forget, he shouldn't forget. That he is a son of God and that he is loved. Because if a wilderness finds you insecure, you can judge God. You can even walk out before the full term that you're supposed to serve. If the wilderness, that season of consecration finds you when you don't know where to look when you're in trouble. When you still cannot trust God to walk on water. When you can't learn to look up when things are out. When you cannot learn to say, Father, I would rather sleep hungry than make this phone call to Regan. When you are still in that place. Sorry, Regan. Sorry, Regan. Not real names. Elias. Hallelujah. If it finds you when you're not ready, you can become a nuisance. To yourself and some of you your destinies and ministries are literally aborted in the place where they were supposed to be given birth to because remember when you say that you are affirming a man when we talk about that place of affirmation that Jesus received at the beginning before he's led into the wilderness God is trying to tell you I think you are ready to be tested you are qualified in every ecclesiastical order I want to teach you the difference between power and authority and I'm trying to invite you to places of authority. I want to help you separate exosia and dunamis because you can only be effective when you understand dunamis, not just exosia. I don't want to delegate anymore. I want to put the miraculous faculty in you, Charismatos, so you don't only heal, but you become a source that teaches many to heal. You don't just become rich, but you become a source that multiplies many into wealth. And to do that, I need firstly to affirm you. Hallelujah. Acts 2.22, He says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of him. As you all know yourselves, there's a version, whether it's the New Living Translation or something. It uses the word affirm endorsed of God. Now here the sign was the dove that came from where? From heaven. That says you are my son in whom I'm well worth. 1 Timothy 3.16 he says and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. Firstly, God is manifest in the flesh. He's justified in the spirit. That place of justification begins with endorsement before you're taken into the wilderness to receive the authority to get a further vindication of spirit. The first vindication begins with that endorsement. And it's important when you understand what it means. You know, some of you say, I'm a child of God, but many of you don't know it. You sing it, but you don't even know it. You don't know what it means to be of his DNA to know that I'm entering this thing, but the blood in me is not of a human being. The system at work in me, the resources that are planted and established in my spirit are beyond a normal human being confined. So yes, I'm going through this trial, but I'm not going alone. There is somebody who anointed me. There is somebody who endorsed me. There is somebody who affirmed his love for me, that whether you in the wilderness go through fire, whether you go through water, you will never doubt God. You will never denounce him. You will Never second guess, you'll never judge him foolishly, because you remember the moment he first affirmed his love and presence with you. He says, "Now go, for law I am with thee to the end." Galatians four verse six, he says, "And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts. What is his ministry, crying up a father? He says, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. He must first make sure he has affirmed that in your spirit. You are endorsed in your spirit from head to toe. Then you say, God, let's go. Whether I am tempted by what, tried by what, there is a foundation by which I have been taken into this test. And that's a man who you'll find in the deepest storm. And he has the audacity of telling you, I know it's hard, but I'm going to come out. That's why I tell people, I was sharing with uh, one of our pastors recently and I said, look, when you meet a man or a woman who was really anointed by God, really consecrated by God, really set apart by God, and you find a man who you see is not moving by his own strength and whose results clearly show that there's a hand of God upon his life, there is a story and a secret that he has or she has with God that far transcends your usual explanation and rhetoric to interpret. You can't write them off on any terms. Because in every journey, every step of the way, in whatever they will go through, if they met God at one particular point in life, they know the way back to where they met him. They know the point of their endorsement. They know what have found them. They know the vow they have with their God. This man can turn for 10 minutes and talk to the same God who you think has turned away, but he was only waiting for him because before he called him or her, he knew his heart. And he skipped you who thinks you're so righteous and still chose him or her. So some of you think God is stupid to anoint certain people a certain way and differently from others. Let me tell you: if there is one thing God knows, he knows how to choose his servants. I'll never think you have a lecture or any wisdom that you can give heaven. No, God knows how to choose his servants, he looks at their hearts. He examines them and know, yes, I know that Judas is a thief, but he can disciple. I know he has his issues, but he's the one I've chosen to keep the money. There's still something about him that the other ones who are faithful in money might not have. And you might think he's stupid to appoint him. No, he's not stupid to appoint him. God knows how to choose his servants. As one wise man says, you can only tell of God when you understand how he chooses his people. And you can only tell of a people when you understand they are God who chooses them. You follow what I'm saying? That is why there are people, regardless of what they go through, and I'm talking about some of you or to some of you, they'll eventually land where they're supposed to be. It's only a matter of time. Why? Because God has had his hand on them. Not last week when you found them praying on the wall. Some, before they even were formed in their mother's womb, he had a story. From their mother's womb. Some of you, I know people here who should be dead. But nothing even scientifically explains why you are alive except that God had his eye and design on you and say that I chose you already. I know what you are going to go through, both your madness and in the times when you were sober. I remember Everything you have done, both good and bad, I've forgiven, I've thrown these things to the ends of the earth. And I've kept my righteousness on you for one purpose only. Because there is something I have called you for. And you cannot take yourself there. You cannot lead yourself there. You cannot direct yourself there. It's only I who can take you there. But I cannot take you through the deeper consecrations that you need at the degree I should use you if you firstly don't receive my affirmation, that regardless of what you are going through, Grace Ruega, you are my son. Put your name. So some of you, those who provoke what's on your life, should know who you are. That is why when he reaches the wilderness, Satan's problem says is is if you are. He's trying to make him disqualify himself from the affirmation. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Every temptation is if you are the son of God. Because I want you to get to a point that in testations, you will lose the place of sonship, Because without that affirmation, You cannot pass any test in the wilderness. You can't. And this is what the devil is testing. Some of you, it's not because you have a generational curse or because you have... No, no, it's not because somebody bewitched you last week. It's entirely because you have come to the understanding that you are a child of God. That you are a child of God. You're a child of God if you never understand the endorsement of the spirit, you will err in your consecrations. You will judge things and God foolishly because you will not be able to read the signs that have already been spelt on the wall. You will lose your destiny, some of you will have bought the gift and purposes of God on your life over little small things. I know people who are not positioned right now where they were supposed to be positioned. Because in the time when they went through wilderness, somebody provoked and insulted their ego. And because they did not enter this thing with enough endorsement or affirmation of spirit, It was enough to make them insecure enough to leave their place. Sometimes when the spirit of the ruler raised against them. Even when the Bible says do not leave your place for yielding pacified offense. When you know who you are and the affirmations or endorsements you receive by God. It doesn't matter who insults you, who offends you in the way. You just keep on the course. I have seen people who walked out and acted out of the jurisdictions that heaven has ordained for sonship and disqualified themselves from the prize. They lost very important milestones of their destiny and now they're in the world as wandering stars jumping one place to another thinking that they can receive the endorsements of the laying on of hands or effective teachers thinking that if they borrow them and amass them on their side to simply repeat what God has already revealed to them in just another language or articulation. They think that that in its own self affirms them. So their affirmations, their endorsements are without its associations with ministries, associations with prophets and some men of God and this and that. If they are before some people and they can take pictures with them, they think that that's enough to affirm them. Let me tell you, it has to begin here. You and God. To take out every kind of insecurity, you'll never look at yourself in the mirror and disqualify yourself from your marital destiny. If you know that your marital destiny is not after the lastings of your flesh, the fulfillment of your sensual pleasures a place of purpose you know you are invited to mother somebody to raise a certain seed on the earth so marriage is not an end to means no it comes with a purpose from the beginning and you enjoy the journey the responsibility of it not just the attraction you carry because your sister got married and everybody in your circle got married so you have to get married you feel that you're lonely if you still have that mentality the problem is not your loneliness how can you be lonely when you're not alone You have Jesus Christ as your indwelling life. Your God. Who said I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says with such things be content. So I see many who are doing things. Acting in ways. Hoping. Church to church. You know going here. Going there. And you know I see somebody. Just somebody. Why did you go for this meeting. Oh, I wanted to know God more. No. Some of them, it's not that they wanted to know God more. They're looking for anything that will minister to their insecurity. That is why today you hear preachers preaching sermons that if you went back um, in the early church and studied how these men of God knew God, those are not sermons you'd find in the church in Jerusalem. Because they were not ministering to insecure men. The spirit was there. He was present. He was functional. But today we are telling people, you're enough. They don't even know they are enough. You're enough. You can tell a person who has the Holy Spirit that he's enough. They should know that they are more than enough. Because they have the indwelling life. He says, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. They shouldn't worry that they'll make it. Because they have the author and finish of their faith. Raise your hands and let's speak to Jesus in just a few minutes.
1: Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to Thee take my moments and my days let them flow in ceaseless praise let let Lord, in ceaseless praise. Take
0: a moment and talk to God personally. Tell Him, God, where I missed the revelation of your endorsement, the revelation of your affirmation. Help me carry the full understanding that in whatever consecrations are ahead of me, I will not miss you. Speak to God. Speak to God. Speak to God. Take my
1: hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my and let them be sweet and beautiful for thee sweet and beautiful for thee take my voice and let me see always only for my Oh take my use. every power thou shalt choose every power My wing, and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine.
0: Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We ask you, and I pray for every man and woman at the sound of my voice, that may we find our strength, our identity, our hope in your affirmation, in your endorsement. May we come to the full understanding what it means to be your seed as we are defined by the person of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us and you in us by faith that will not abort our destinies, lose our course drop back to perdition but believe to the serving of the soul pray that no man at the sound of my voice will be lost the polarities of direction touching purpose assignment gifting may we all find our course and serve you as we ought that at the end of days it shall be said well done good and faithful servant may offense never take us out indifference never take us out ignorance never take us out all those things that come with insecurity may they never take us out may we keep on the course and pursue your mind in whatever you've designed us for in jesus name and all said amen if you're listening to me and you say apostle grace as you are preaching i feel like i want to receive jesus as my lord and savior i want to take him as my personal savior repeat these words after me just say these words say lord jesus I thank you because you died and were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. I'm born again. Amen. at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero. Make manifest.